Hey folks, I want to tell you about my good friends at Badger Custom Grips. Uh, if you're tired of your same old boring grips on your revolver and you're ready to add a touch of style and personalization, look no further. Badger Custom Grips is here to revolutionize your shooting experience. Go to www.badgercustomgrips.com today and unleash your creativity. If you're not sure where to start, they have a team of experienced professionals led by a passionate Gamecock alumnus and owner ready to assist you every step of the way from choosing the right grip material to designing unique patterns and engravings. They will help you create a one-of-a-kind grip that perfectly matches your revolver. And here's a special offer for all of our listeners. If you use the discount code RISE, that's R-I-S-E, like Carolina Rise, during checkout, you'll get a special discount on your first purchase. So go visit www.badgercustomgrips.com today and explore their extensive selection of custom grips for Smith & Wesson, Colt Revolvers, any other brand you may want. That is Badger Custom Grips, owned again by proud Gamecocks, proud sponsors of Carolina Rise and the Late Night Gamecocks show with Matt Anderson. And now, here's Matt. You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome in to the Late Night Gamecock Show. This is episode 12 of the show, and I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. I am recording this show on Thursday, July 24th, 2023. And just welcome back to the show. You know, my name is Matt Anderson, and I'm your host for all things Gamecock After Dark. As always, you can reach me at late night Gamecock Show at gmail.com or on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. A quick reminder, this show records twice per week on Mondays and Thursdays. And again, thank you for joining me tonight, and let's get on to the show. Tonight, y'all, I'm really excited. I have a a friend of, golly, probably 15-plus years, um, somebody that I just consider the ultimate source for all things Gamecock, and it, it's a real treat for me to to have my good friend, the godfather of Gamecock football recruiting, J.C. Sherbert, on the show this week. So, J.C., how are you doing, my man? Hey, it's uh, good to pop in with you tonight, Matt. Uh, I kind of like the the docile tones of, of this podcast because it's a it's a little bit, you know, it's 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 after hours, right? It's, it's chill. It's it's like it's got a little NPR vibe going to it, and. Uh, and that's kind of what I do when I unwind, man. I listen to audiobooks and I get a lot out of it. Much probably much more than maybe some of your louder entertainment options during the day. So uh I I I'm I'm glad to be here with you chilling uh, on the late night gamecock show. I think it's uh it's a good time for it. We got we got a kind of on our little platform of, of podcast or whatever, we got we have this. Uh, we had a really good show today with Hale McGranahan on the actual the big show. Um, and then tomorrow morning, we're going to live stream for the first time in the history of the JC and Morgan podcast. We're live streaming it. Uh, and Shane Beamer is going to be our guest. So I had no uh, idea about that. That yeah, is, that is if awesome. You, if you're around at 1030 tomorrow morning, Eastern, right before the show, uh, pop onto the big spur YouTube page. And, uh, if you go hit the subscribe button and you haven't already hit the subscribe button, it'll give you a notification when, when we go live, Mike and I'll probably go live gosh, maybe about nine forty, and and do our thing. And then we'll bring Shane in and talk to him. And then 
of course, right after that, we have the show. So, uh, uh, and I think Chris Phillips is our guest. To, no, no, Chris is on. I'm on Chris's show tomorrow. I'm on the Spurs Up show tomorrow. Uh, I get that confused. But, uh, yeah, and then and actually tomorrow morning, bright and early, I'm on 107.5 The Game with Bill Gunner and Preston Thorne. So, yeah, you guys get, get a chance to hear a lot of me. But most importantly, Shane – I don't think I'll be talking too much with Shane Beamer and, and Mike Morgan. Uh, I think those two can handle a great conversation uh, on JC Morgan tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you get Shane talking like we talked about in SEC media days where his kids said that, you know, he had the longest introductory, you know, not press conference for when he came a Gamecock coach, but when he was at SEC media days last year, he just kind of Shane, Shane likes to talk. And usually what he says is pretty good. So, I mean, if you play your cards right, depending on when this episode releases, if it releases tonight, you could potentially have like five straight hours of J.C. Sherbert coming to your <laughs> coming to your earlobes tomorrow, which I I, if it was that. me, dude, I'm, I'm going to take a vacation day. I'm just going to take a half day, <laughs> go in the afternoon to get all my Gamecock, my Gamecock nuggets. But what a, what well, we got a we got a big show tonight. I'm I'm really excited for it. I'm a kind of break down some of the topics, but the one I want to talk about really quickly to start off is, um, and JC, you know, I know that you're, you're a baseball guy, you've become a baseball guy more and more through Carolina rise, but big fan. Gamecocks, yeah. Gamecocks picked up a big commitment from Jake McCoy recently. And we talked about Jake McCoy on the podcast this past Thursday night. Um, you're talking about a lefty power arm can get up to 94, 95, number four player in the state, was committed to Wofford. He had pretty much every SEC and ACC school after him when he made, decided to decommit. So um, stay stay tuned to the Big Spur. Whittle, Whittle's done a great job in, in breaking this down, kind of how it transpired, how quickly it transpired. But the Gamecocks need another arm, and you're never going to turn down a big power lefty that has three years with your program. So JC, I don't know if you have a take on that before we get to the main meat and bones of the show, but wanted to give you an opportunity. Yeah. You know, I thought one of the more under-the-radar unfortunate things that happened last year was uh, Eli Jerzenbeck getting hurt, and then it happened late, so late in the season. It took him out for this coming season. I doubt Eli pitches again at Carolina because, you know, he's got some real nasty stuff and will probably be drafted. Um, and when I say that, I'm parroting what Whittle says. <laughs> uh, if it's football, and then and I played basketball, and in, in I played high school basketball for our country. Now I'm just like I'm doing Al Bundy there. He's like I played high school football for our country, pig. It, you know? Do you remember married with children? You no. know what? Like, so JC, no. you know I'm I'm, I'm 34, right? So I know. I, I've watched a couple of episodes. I've watched a couple <laughs> episodes, and and obviously, man, Al Bundy is just a, an iconic character. He's a hero in, in television. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, anyway, yeah, I, and I play basketball, so I understand that game. I mean, you know, somewhat. Football is really the game I can have an eye for to evaluate and stuff like that. Baseball. It's just a, a love. I just love the game and don't know much about the ins and outs. So I want to be clear that I'm parroting what Whittles told me. <laughs> what I'm doing, <laughs> if it sounds anything like I'm breaking down a baseball player, it's because of what Whittles told me or I've picked up from listening to interviews with guys like Monty Lee and Mark Kingston and, and Matt Williams and, and, and the really – uh, I think, for lack of a better, outstanding coaches that, that South Carolina baseball has put together now. 
Um, but yeah, so Jerzebek had some nasty stuff. I'd, he was going to probably be the guy, you know, Friday night starter this year. Um, probably could have worked his way into a big time starting role this year. And it was just a freak thing all of a sudden. And, and these pitchers, man, it's just like all of a sudden their arm starts hurting and boom, they're out. So, well, dude, I uh, think about when Noah, when Noah Hall went down, if Eli was still healthy, I think that you would have seen him yeah. slide right into that Saturday, Sunday role, just depending on matchups if they needed a righty or a lefty. Yeah. But, but yeah, big pickup there for the Gamecocks. Excited sure. about that. Um, I just wanted to quick, quickly touch on that. Um, the rest of the show sure. is going to be pretty much um, football centric. Um, a lot of a lot, of, a little bit of Carolina Rise stuff. Um, do you want to talk about some things that have happened in that arena? And then we're actually going to break down um, last year's not the entire recruiting class, but just five guys that me and JC are you know excited about. But first, JC, I want to talk about what is your first memory of me because I remember my <sighs> first memory of you back in two thousand eight. Yeah, I'll get to that. I wanted to finish up because I, I kind of rambled a little bit on Eli there. What, what I meant, I would have to say is McCoy, you know, because you lost a young player like Eli you were counting on for this year. McCoy sort of makes up for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, a lot sure. of people are going to want to, oh, he's going to replace Sanders or Hall or whatever. He really replaces Jerzen Beck, which is a bigger deal than maybe people think. Yeah, because I'm sorry for rambling on that. But, uh, okay, first memory of me, I, I remember uh, – Gosh, was it an event? Did you come to the Big Spur tailgate in 08 at Birdie's Chicken? No. Was that the first time I, I met you? Uh, I wish. Was, it, was I with I Bill Gunner? There. Was I with Bill so, Gunner? Well, I've, known, I've known Bill longer than I've known you, actually, yeah. which is kind of crazy. So um, real quick, I'll tell that story, and then we'll get to how I met you, JC. But Bill Gunter had um, some family members that actually lived next door to my mom on Lake Murray. And so nice. Bill actually coached my little brother in AAU basketball. And so um what? known Bill for years and years. Yeah, completely class. I mean, Bill, for those of you who don't know, Bill was pretty involved in the AAU scene for a really long time before he kind of transitioned into full-time, you know, media personality. So Bill's a great guy. I love Bill to death. But um, JC, I actually met you at a Gamecock football practice. I recognized you from your time at Rivals. Mm-hmm. And you had just started the Big Spur. And I was like, hey, look, I'm going to take my one shot to go meet somebody I've always wanted to talk to. And then we just connected. We started talking. And sooner sooner or later, I started talking about the TV show Entourage. And you were like, I've never watched that. Mm. And so I was like, all right, this was Jason, big. you got to watch this. How, this how, fast did you, how fast did you binge watch those shows? We went because you because like man that was before streaming so you brought me the DVDs right yeah. or the Blu-rays yeah. and There's me something and the, yeah my wife at the time and I loved it I mean we we went through it and through it. I mean it took us about a week and we binged the crap out of it we were so sad when it was over because it was like really really good. And it remains one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm, uh, you know, if you ever those, those that are listening to this, they they know like uh, on the show and on JC and Morgan, there are shows out there that are really really good that you would be shocked that I haven't seen, and then there are shows <laughs> that I've seen that you'd be shocked you don't know what the hell they are, you know. Uh, and, and I've just missed some some key ones. I mean, you know, there is a very famous popular show right now that you would think I would have watched. 15 different times uh, that I just started. 
<laughs> and Wait, so, which, which one is it? I'm not going to say it, right now. I'm not going to say. I'm going to. I will. I will reveal that if I get through it because, like, I started Breaking Bad. I mean, I you know, Breaking Bad. Gosh, JC, you're you're talking about Lost, I'm, aren't you? I'm, I'm you haven't watched you. Lost. Now nah, I've started Lost. I started Breaking Bad and Lost. I just you know something that something caused me to lose interest, but. Uh, you know, now if I, if I start on a show, I'll usually get it done. I mean, like, okay. So the move, the, the show Reacher on uh, uh, Amazon. See, I didn't, I didn't finish Reacher. I didn't finish I, it. Dude. I thought it was great. I mean, it was like Southern small town vigilante guy. It was, it was compelling. They filmed a lot of it in Atlanta where I used to live. And so, yeah, I got through that pretty quick, but in uh, Ozark, man, I mean, the three years Ozark came out, uh, my fiance and I—I I mean, that, that was all we did. For a so week. Ozark, I watched. I watched after when the, I was golly right before like part two of the last season came out. That's when I got into it, so I didn't have to wait as long as everybody else. But the one that you got me on was Succession. Oh my gosh, I no. loved Succession. You know, and it killed me though. But in Succession and Ozark. They killed off my favorite character. And uh, I don't want to do any spoilers here, but they're both Scottish actors and they both were my favorite character. Not not my favorite actor, my favorite character in both of those shows. It really, Ozark has people with redeeming qualities in it or had. Uh, Secession yeah, yeah. had nobody with any redeeming qualities. <laughs> it was just like, you make me want to barf, 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 but you're funny. Macaulay Coughlin's brother. <laughs> You know, I was about to say that's the only person that like really made me want to barf a lot of times during it, but at the same time, yeah, like he's like Roman, that lovable loser. Robin was funny. Kendall was a complete. I mean, I just wanted to just smack that guy. I'm like, I've run into people like him in in, in my during my career. The these people that are like way way too like richer you know from came from these way way rich family and all they care about is being connected with this people person or that person and they really don't know crap about crap you know they're really some yeah, of the yeah. dumbest most shallow like ridiculous people uh on earth and uh that's what right and then shiv was just you know and then shiv's husband my god I mean, you know, like Greg was the only like like I kind of liked Greg, but he was so cringy, man. Because it was like he was every he time he walked was. in a room, you're just like, eh, don't don't just don't say anything. And you know, everybody just I mean, the Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, his character was cool for a while, then just started to completely suck. And I just you know, now it was a hell of a show. Don't get me wrong, I it was it was I love the and show. I can- I, and and in Ozark, when they killed off Darlene's yeah, husband, yeah. that that got me because I liked him. Uh, the, uh, I'm gonna make JC go back and edit this stuff out. We talks about who who goes off the rails, but um, look, guys, you're getting a you're getting a sneak peek of what me and JC's conversations are normally like. You would think <laughs> that all we do is talk about Gamecock fo- football, recruiting, sports, but we 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 don't talk about this all the time because no. you know, honestly, JC, you know it, like. For guys like me and you, you need a break from this stuff sometimes because it is, it is a lot. And JC's on this the Big Spur message board much more than I am. He's he's crushing what he's doing with Carolina Rise, but you know I know you guys didn't log in to hear Matt and JC talk about their favorite yeah. shows, but but at the same time, like that's what you know is fun when you have friends that you have this relationship with, and it doesn't have to be, you know, just what is this? I mean. 
JC, we don't have to go too much into it, but like JC, you and I both know about each other's lives, like oh, outside yeah. of all this. Like, you know, we've been been thick as thick as thieves for a while. So you're my boy. Um, JC, I do want to just say, yeah, you're my boy too. Just want to say I appreciate, you know, you and Tony and and John and and Hale and those and those guys and Alex, you know, saying, Hey, let's let's make this late night Gamecock show happen. And what's the exciting thing is like how JC talks about tomorrow. You know, that wall-to-wall coverage is one of the things that in the future we'd love for Gamecocks to be able to do is just have multiple options for mm-hmm. shows and multiple and they, opportunities yeah. to find your personality. I mean, Stephen A. Smith ain't for everybody. And, you know, I might not be for everybody. Or, you know, JC I'm talked about not. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, people, people just, everyone has their own taste. But so sure. to get back to the show here, I guess a little bit, let's, um, JC, I'm going to do a whip around about the recruiting class so far, because if you're on the Big Spur message boards or, you know, maybe different message boards, I, I don't read anything but the Big Spur, but there's been a lot of hand wringing, a lot of folks kind of getting worried about the recruiting class. And I've tried to tell everybody, if you look at the per player rating, the class is phenomenal. Like uh, JC, you tell me this, have we ever had this many high end players committed before the season kicks off? No, not not this not this early that I can remember. Maybe in 07, because I don't uh, But that know, was the dad, flurry, the man. Dad. That was like the Chris Culliver. That was the Yeah, he came Culver, late. Culliver was later though, because I remember when I first kind of found out Carolina was gonna get Culliver, it was during the season. Um I was actually at a platinum plus in Greenville with my friend. <laughs> and uh who who who's con- who had some connections with one of the coaches and called him from the truck and and whatever we were leaving and he he started talking about getting chris colliver and and, and then saunders was late uh in that yeah, class Wes was late melvin ingram was somewhat late they they got melvin i think during the fall and then you know north carolina was trying to flip him right and uh, I think Melvin was missing a class that, that to, to go to North Carolina and they they're like, ah, oh, you don't need it. You're coming with us. Travian Robertson was a very down to the wire. Travian was recruit. a tough one too. Cause that was, that was Clemson and that was South Carolina. That's, and I, the day of the announcement, I thought it was Clemson. Like, I think everybody thought it was Clemson. I don't know if you got a backstory well, there. Uh, yeah, of course I got a great one. Um, I'm working at rivals.com at the time. I'm Mr. Uh, Mr. Neutral, right? <laughs> uh, kind of know how Brad Crawford feels, you know, with his job now back then. But, you know, I loved it. I loved going on the road, ranking players and just talking about players. It was much more about players than teams with that job. But uh still loved Carolina. still wanted Carolina to get players. Still got silently pissed off when they missed on a guy, you know. Uh and Carolina led for Travian just about the entire time. He visits Clemson. Clemson starts doing the uh, the Tommy Bowden, uh, you know, it's not safe there. But that was their big pitch back then because, you know, Lou Holtz had some players that got in trouble. And, you know, it, it was not a great time for the program in that regard off the, off the field. Facilities weren't quite there. Academics were – academic center wasn't built. Uh, and so Clemson had a nice little game they used to play where they they just scare the bejesus out of kids from small towns and say, you don't want to go to the big city. Like like it was Gotham or Chicago. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. Like Columbia is like, oh, <laughs> my God, you know. Uh, welcome to the jungle, you know, in Columbia. And um, 
and it worked some of the time and then some of the time it didn't. And uh, right about that time, Spurs staff were trying to kind of making sure it didn't. Um, Cause if you also yeah. remember it, you know, it, it, it the, Clemson kind of worked their magic. I mean, remember Demario Jeffrey and Chris Payne were once were committed to Clemson for like a day. Oh gosh. Um, it was weird. Yeah, but that was also, know? that was a weird, that was a weird class in general. Cause I'm, I'm actually just looking through here right now. Yeah, oh, nine. I mean, that was that was Devontae well, Holloman was, was yeah yeah Devontae Holloman and then you had um Stefan Gilmore as well you know I'm just looking through classes here and it was weird how all of a sudden these kids would pop for Clemson and then two days later they'd be committed to South Carolina it, whatever they were telling them man they were good of course by 09 <laughs> that was that was kind of during the transition and and it was really more Tommy Bowden than Dabo I mean that Dabo uh Gets kind of the public enemy number one treatment around here, but something Tommy Bowden would tell people about Carolina always worked, and then he won every time he, you know, seven out of the nine times he played him. But uh, you know, it was like I remember talking um, to our Clemson site, and they were going to go cover it and stuff. And I remember seeing on that site, and I learned a lesson in my career this day. Uh, they said, "What's what's the percentage of to Clemson? A hundred percent." Well, next morning I get a phone call. Somebody's en route to Laurenburg, North Carolina, and they're like, ah, Gamecocks are definitely getting him. So whatever happened overnight that night, and th- depending on who you talk to, there's there's different, different stories. Uh, different <laughs> stories on either side. But it's um uh I'll tell you what happened. There was a long, lengthy conversation between him and Brad Lawing that night, and 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 Brad and his parents just kind of laid it out. And said, well, why do you want to go there? Why and you know, and he ended up coming to Carolina and now he's the defensive line coach at South Carolina and is forever a gamecock. But that it's, a, it's just know. full circle. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story yeah. about Travian. When I was in school, Travian and I sat next to each other in a criminal justice class, and you know, both of us thought we were taking like, you know, that was like when CSI Miami was like a big big deal on TV. And like we thought we were getting like the CSI Miami, like it's gonna be fun. No, it was like like Gacy and like all these like serial killers and Travian had to go to class and I didn't have to, cause like, I didn't have like a, an attendance checker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Travian would go to class for me and ah. he would write my name in. Cause I just couldn't do it. Like, it was just, you guys know my demeanor on here. Like, I just don't want to go look at those kind of scenes, but like Travian was just a silent assassin, man. That dude went in and he was like, Hey, that doesn't bother me. Look at a champion, man. Just uh just a just champion. A beast. But so, uh yeah, all these, kind of, all these classes. I, I think with that class in 07, though, Matt, it more it happened a little more gradually than maybe maybe this 2024 class. Um, because there was just a lot of I mean, a lot of I mean, guys that committed by March in this one, right? Oh man, I'm looking at this. So Josiah Thompson, April, Michael Smith. January. I mean, Fred Johnson, June, Cam Pringle, January, Kelvin Hunter, April, Mazio, February, Dante Reno, last year in July, mm-hmm. Wendell Gregory, January, March for Blake Franks. Um, we got June for Matthew Fuller, April for Braden Lee, June for David. How do you say David? Is it Bucky or Busey? Bucci. 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 Like, yeah. yeah, okay. Bucci. Okay. And then you got Mason Love, which is June. So, I th- JC, I think my thing with this class is you look at it, and 
I wouldn't trade the offensive line class for anybody else's in the country. Like, I just wouldn't. And I don't think the staff at South Carolina, based on folks I've talked to, would trade it either. The mm-hmm. offensive line class has two bookends that are amazing. Um, I mean, as far as projectables, like offensive lines, a weird finicky position. Like they might have all the traits in the world to be, you know, bookends, but I, I have a lot of faith in them. But like, you look at that linebacker class, you have Fred Johnson and you have Wendell Gregory, two rock solid linebacker prospects. Kelvin Hunter is from my hometown of Florence. And I'm telling you that dude has a little bit of DJ Swearinger in him. Like he, mm-hmm. he likes to head hunt. Um, just looking through it. I mean, Dante Reno, if he was three inches taller, JC, well, if you were still at Rivals or doing national recruiting, if, if Dante Dante Reno was six foot four, what would he be? Oh, he'd be at 93. I mean, I don't agree with most of, uh, and I can't even believe 24 seven sports. And, and I didn't agree with this decision either. You know, that this is how much I don't agree with it. I, I was pretty cool with our network having the composite rankings on the commit list. And now they've, I have no idea why they did this. They've switched that they put their rankings up there. I'm like, your rankings really, I'm sorry. They leave a lot to be desired. <laughs> uh, you know, um, and, uh, but yeah, I would probably rank a lot of these guys different. I mean, but, but Dante would probably not be uh, like a five star unless I saw him in person and just thought something was good. But, you know, I think with Dante is like, he, he's probably in my mind, JC and like, I'm just me. I'm not you. Yeah. But I think Dante's probably a top 250 kid. Oh, and, yeah, I think so. And then you just see how he develops. But, like, you know, to be, you know, 20, 22nd in his position, you tell me, man. Is that about I mean, right? There's not that much difference between him and, I mean, you know, I'm kind of looking at some of these people. and Let's see. So we can go. Oh, we can go to composite for positions, I suppose. I mean, what's the difference between him and the kid from Savannah going to Tennessee? Uh, I, I don't inches? see much. Yeah. What, yeah, what yeah, yeah I think kid? it's the height. What about this six? What about this five eleven kid going from uh, going to, to Oregon from St. Francis? Is is he just a runner? Is that what his deal is? Um, you know, do we have the kid from Lexington, Kentucky, so high because he's six five? Oh, then there's a five eleven dude from. Alado, Texas, probably has a great scheme. He's going to TCU. He's ahead of him. I mean, there's no consistency these days, man. And it's just, for the first time in my career, I think, and I'm not saying everybody at 24-7 or everybody at Rivals or wherever, but there is a lot of brand hype out there, more so in recruiting than ever. And it's a shame because we all fought against it when, when we were coming up. I mean, I remember, you know, Barton Simmons almost when, and he's at Vanderbilt now doing a great job. I used to almost kind of be like, my God, you know, come on. Uh, you know, cause he would go and try to find the guy that's going to Cincinnati's in the NFL. And he was really good at it. We had really good rankings. Um, I, now I just, especially with the, the, the state of South Carolina kids, I just, I, I severely question it again. Then when you try to get an answer from somebody, uh, it's they'll give you an answer. And it's, it's sort of applicable uh, to your guy you're talking about, but then it's not applicable to the next guy up the list. And you're like, well, aren't these standards? Or, you know, but anyway, I'll be honest, JC. I think that the really quick, I want to get your take on this. 
I think that I noticed the rankings and the ratings for players kind of get questionable during COVID. And I don't know if that was something where you weren't well, seeing the kids or maybe it's slow person. to get back. Yeah, maybe it's and slow then, to see there's them a lot of transition. Not camps. Yeah. There's a lot of transition too. I mean, like like Charles Power left. Charles Power is the best evaluator I've ever met. Yeah, you've told me that you know, a million um, times. And and he he's a South Carolina native and he's gonna get the guys in state right, you know, come hell or high water. You know, you don't really have anybody that's even in the state looking at guys. And and, and I think, you know, the there's still kind of a stigma that well, if Clemson doesn't offer, you know, and, and that's not true either. The one that gets me is Cam Pringle. I mean, man, Ohio State, I, I guarantee you, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, they're still calling. <laughs> yeah. And and, yeah. And, I, and and you get this, and I, I agree <laughs> with the philosophy. The philosophy is, hey, you know, it's easier to put weight on a kid with a great frame than to take weight off of a bigger kid. Now, they got 24-7 sports. Says Cam Pringle's the 13th-ranked tackle in the country. That's a crime. Dude, I'm going to tell you man. right now. I'm going to tell you that, right now. Like, like, I've I've heard no Casey that he's he shed some weight. It's what I've heard. I yeah, don't think he's that and, big anymore. There's been plenty of 340-pound kids go to Georgia and Alabama, and they're ranked in the top five. Oh my you gosh! Know, now I got to look at it. Now I got to see. Uh, all right, here, here's Daniel Calhoun from Marietta Walt, committed to Georgia, right? Yeah, six yeah. six and a half, three sixty five. Yep, Daniel Calhoun, looking at him 365. right now. So don't give me. Oh, and, and and I got this lame reason too. I got this. Uh, oh, well, um, you know, he didn't long jump that much in a track meet. I'm like, who gives a shit? You know, I mean, I'm like, how how how, the- how high could you long jump? And I mean, neither of us are 360 pounds, but are 330 pounds. But why do you care about long jump for a I mean, offensive line commitment? I mean, look at so you got Nair Daniel, six eight three sixty, committed to committed to Georgia, and he's um, number ten offensive yeah. tackle in the country. What are you that? What are you doing? Yeah. Oh yeah, but they get the they get a break, you know. I I, I, I and, and Nair's from from Bergen and Jersey. How much track are they running up in Oradell, New Jersey? I mean, and look, <laughs> th- those Georgia kids are probably ranked where they should be. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, they're exactly. probably really good. But how, how come Georgia's big old guys get don't get downgraded, but South Carolina's do? Oh, and here's here's one going to Oregon. They got this kid. He's from Alabama. He's going to Oregon, which means, oh, probably Alabama didn't offer. They got him ranked as the number three offensive tackle in the country. He's 6'8", 365. I mean, JC. And, and hey, listen to this. Look at this stellar offer list, okay? For, from the state of Alabama now. Uh, Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Alabama State, Arkansas, Clemson verbal offer, Auburn verbal offer, no take, LSU verbal offer, no take, no Alabama offer, which means Eric Wolford evaluated him and said, no. Well, dude, Eric Wolford's a dude that look, pretty good evaluator. Uh, he's you know? he's pretty top notch. So yeah, I mean, so so that's just kind of weird. It, it, it's strange to me how the standards apply to everybody to, to cam pringle you know well he's 335 yeah. and you've got two 365 pounders a 335 pounder 
you know, uh, yeah, and all those guys ahead of, of Pringle, you know. Um, so here's what I like. Can, can, go ahead. Can go he ahead. can he bend? Can he move his feet? The answer there is unequivocally less. How about his how about his uh, hand punch? How, how quick are his hands? Very quick. You know, there, there's and 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 I mean, it's not like he didn't have the offers. Offers are not everything, and and they don't always determine rankings. But I'll tell you this right now. I will eat my own hat if this Gearby Lambert kid from Roxbury, Massachusetts ends up being better than than Josiah Thompson or Cam Pringle. I think the Gamecocks got the two best tackles in the country, and it'll probably play out that way, at least for one of them over time. That that JC, that is something that I've heard from all my sources inside the Gamecock program. And 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 look, don't sleep on Blake Franks, JC. Like I mean, it's good that. If you want to com- if you want to compare, you know, who Clemson wants to who South Carolina gets, which I would not do for Clemson's offensive line, just a heads up. If you are looking at Clemson and offensive line, I think there's a lot to be desired to Clemson offensive line recruiting and evaluations and straight up coaching. But I'm not trying to negative be negative about you know our sure. in-state in-state brothers. But Blake Franks is going to be an interior guy. And I mean, six five, three ten, he's gonna put on some weight. I mean Jesse, who would you compare him to? I've been trying to get a comparison for him in my head, and I just – I'm trying Blake to think of a Gamecock. Like, Maybe Chris White? That's – yeah. I mean, I, no, Chris, Chris White. Chris White was about 6'5", 3'10", played center. He's from Chester. A Gamecock, yeah. Clemson battle. Very solid player. I mean, uh, really was one of the better offensive – I think I think he was there all, all of the Holtz – at the I, end of Holtz, and then one year he played for he played for Spurrier. I remember that. Yeah, he played for Spurrier. I think one. I think yeah. it was only 05, though. But he was a he was a solidifying guy at center. Um, I would th- I think that is uh, I think Chris White would be my my comparison there. Well, I'll tell you right now. I mean, Braden Lee. I'm looking at you know 24 seven, and now he's not ranked nationally on the. He's dropping page. too. Yeah, they, they, it's kind of funny, isn't it? You take I mean, a kid I, that I mean I gotta look at this, JC. Like, just give me a second. I, I want to look and see what his like recruiting history has been because that's what that's one thing that's really fun. If you guys are on the Big Spur, or you're on twenty four seven sports, go back and look at recruit rank history. And this is the thing. And, and JC, you know I love fantasy football. I have no idea how people drop in fantasy football rankings or rise when after the NFL draft until the season starts like you should understand you know pretty much where a guy is compared to other players like okay maybe there's an injury but either you know what you're doing with recruiting rankings or fantasy football analysis or you don't like if you're just dropping somebody willy-nilly because oh i like you know back in the day um gabriel davis more because he had a good blurb that came out like so i just bump him over seven guys but if you look at you know Braden lee he started out as a 92.85, got as high as a 95.02, and now he's a 90.18. Tell me how that happens. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying, you know, how does that happen when there's been no football that's been played? <laughs> like, well, yeah, no football people, look, except for there's camps. things like camps and, you know, you yeah, get more data and measurables yeah. and stuff like that. And, and, like, I think here's the fundamental problem. Number one, there's a lot of inexperienced people out there ranking. There's a lot of people kind of, you know, molding the process. I mean, you know, just like 
there's no way they should have put the 24-7 sports rankings out there ahead of composite, considering 24-7 sports, they're known for their composite rankings. I mean, to me, that's just dumb. Um, I mean, I've yet to hear a good uh, reason for that. Uh, And the only reason I can think of is that, you know, there's a lot of ego. You know, trust me, I tried to give feedback the other day, and uh, I got explained how recruiting rankings work and evaluations. Yeah, it was, former, it was, um, glo- national, it was, glor- it was glorious. And a, a I just, national I, recruiting guy that led the entire rivals. I don't think the rivals was it. good. I mean, I don't think he got it when <laughs> oh, I responded God. and said, "Oh, thanks for the lesson, evaluations, man." I had no idea this stuff was happening. I learned something new every day. Oh my gosh! And the guy had no like, idea. I mean, just, I mean, like, uh, you can't see me, but I'm doing like hand over my head just went right over the dude's head but i mean so here's the thing you know like you look at this jc and you say okay well we're kind of poor mouthing some recruiting rankings right now and some ratings but there are guys in this class that are really good and it's kind of a double-edged sword you know jc because we can talk about how okay well they they're missing the boat with some some name schools and i think that's kind of what it is sometimes Mm -hmm. but the gamecock class is still you know, really good. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, Fred Johnson is 100% the 134th best player in the country. Like, I I don't know. I mean, and JC, you talk about us all the time. Johnson, like, but I yeah, would but never have him that, ahead of Cam Pringle. Yeah, I would, but like never have him ahead. I would never have Michael Smith ahead of Cam Pringle. Michael Smith's kind of an H-back, undersized tight end. I mean, I love it. No, you don't know who Michael Smith is? He's, he's the Jaheim Bell with a better attitude is who yeah. Michael Smith is a little bit like Dwayne Allen too, the played at Clemson. I think, you know, you got that. Wendell Gregory who has length and explosiveness and everything else. And ever since he committed, he's, he's continued to slide, uh, you know, Matthew Fuller kind of, you know, and, and it, it just drives me crazy. It's like a lot with a lot of the Gamecock guys, the, the analysts that, you know, some of them I know, like they'll hang the 88 or 89 on but if the kids go into Florida, they'll hang in 91, 92, 91, and I'm like, 91. Well, <laughs> those two programs really, <laughs> I mean, you know, so, and I don't know. So, dude, I'm telling uh, you right now, David Bucci, and like, I'm not like JC knows this. I am not like a sunshine pumper. That's not who I am. And you know that, JC, but like, David Bucci will never get an, an evaluation in person. He never will. And no one's going to look at his power cleans and his squats and look at what this kid can actually do, but he's never going to get it. And he's just never going to get it. And And that's the kind of guy that you like though, because that's a camp evaluation. And that's a kid that, you know, I trust the coaching staff on. I don't care about his ranking. He reminds me of like a Virginia tech. There's a lot of that that happens at Carolina these days, like a Virginia tech take. Like they've got, they've scouted him out thoroughly. He's got all the measurables and he loves football and he just goes and balls. Um, you know, I, you know, would I rank him higher than 86? No, probably not. I may even have him as 85. Yeah. But, that's the thing though. Like, but, but, but I, that you, you need guys like that, man. I mean, every, just about every successful program has at least, you know, two or three guys like that, you know, with that kid, it's not, it's not the ceiling. It's the floor. Yes. And the floor is there and the floor is there for special teams. The floor is there for depth. I mean, goodness gracious, JC, think about, you know, Ben Bulware. No one likes Ben Bulware at South, at South Carolina. I mean, I hate Ben Bulware. Like I, I shouldn't say I hate somebody, but 
I didn't like the way that he played, but of course not. And I'm not saying it because he's white. I'm not saying it because he's white, but at the <laughs> same time, he. And I was about to say he's a hard worker, blue collar, brings his Jim lunch pail. Yeah, Jim Rat. But but nah, that's the kind of his fingers were a little bit interesting. I thought you know we well they we always talk a lot a little, of football look a little hand brown. placement. Yeah, a little he, brown. He had right? interesting hands for hand placement, but no, nah, so, I'll tell you this though: Ben was a nasty. St- to quote Will Muschamp, stick your face in the fan and like it. Dude, that's one of my uh, favorite Muschamp quotes, by the way. Like, yeah. I love that one. I use it all the time because, and I use it in life. Like, in, you know, in my world, Jason, you know, I'm in IT. And, like, I tell, like, the technicians when they come in that you have to stick your face in the fan and like it because you're going to get a lot of shit that blows. Sorry, I've never cussed on the show, but uh, you you're going to get a lot it. of it, you're gonna get a lot a, of shit that blows in your face, and you got to take it, and you got to solve the problem, and that's a big deal. The only guy we haven't talked about really, we talked a little bit about Kelvin Hunter. I like him; he's a head hunter. I think he's gonna be a great player. But Maceo Bennett's a guy that really intrigues me because if you look at the Tennessee offense and what they're trying to do, moving fast, technicians, that's what Maceo Bennett is to me. He's not the fastest guy, he's not the biggest guy, but I kind of like him like Bruce Ellington, JC. I don't know what you feel about that comparison, but. Just a guy that is in the right place at the right time. Maybe a shorter version of Kenny McKinley, a little bit too. How, how tall um, was Kenny? Six one, six two. McKinney was like five eleven and three quarters. He he wasn't all that tall. But so Mazio is listed at six foot. Yeah, Mazio is probably not six foot. He's, he's probably like five ten. Probably like five ten. But he, I like the fact he's wiry. Um, I'd like to say Shy Smith, but man, Shy Shy had a a little bit extra. Um, he does. Shy was extra. actually so good that people don't even understand how good that kid was. But but Shy because Shy was a guy that could jump up in traffic and get it, but also beat you with his speed. And you know, I, I thought watching Shy's film and watching Ortre Smith's film that same year, they were one and two in the state. I was like. There's no way on God's green earth or Trey Smith is ahead of Shy Smith. I mean, I and and I, I stood by that till this day. But um, maybe a little Shy Smith. I, I don't know. Macy is a really solid player. I mean, he's like production wise, you know, he can be really, really good. I mean, I, I think, I think, I think he, you know, men like when fans kind of think of him, they probably think of him a lot like Brian Edwards. You know, Brian Edwards. Uh, even though Mazio was committed to Tennessee and Carolina flipped him, um, you know, Brian Edwards was a guy that, you know, they just kind of assumed he was in the class. Okay, great. Brian Edwards. And then next thing you know, he's called more passes than anybody in the history of the school. So uh, that's kind of the, the, the feel. I mean, he's not that type of player, but uh, I do well, think yeah, he's, he, he's Brian going Edwards to was six, three. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, different, different body types and all, but, just kind of the the way people feel about this kid. I think it's kind of because Edwards didn't really arrive with a bunch of hype. You know, he, he arrived as like, Oh, good in-state guy. Glad we got him, you know? But um, yeah, I think, look, man, I think, uh, I, I think Mazio Bennett could be really, really good. And I know the staff is excited about the five receivers they got in the last class as well, you know, including yeah. Nick Harbor. So, uh, you know, your Tyshawn Russell's, your Kelton Henderson's of the world. Um, you know, Elijah Caldwell. And, and, and Tyshawn and Kelton are kind of raw. And we'll, we might talk about them here in a little bit later, but sure. um, they're, they're raw guys. But with Mazio, I think that his second move is going to be what separates him. I think it's going to be the post and the comeback, or it's going to be the, 
you know, the the inside inside slant, go back outside. I think he's a technician in that regard. But really quick, JC, I want to get your take on um so we obviously and JC, I can't have you on this podcast and not talk about the Dylan Stewart's, the Daniel Hills, the Jalewis Solomons, mm-hmm. the obviously Jonathan Paler and and guys like I've been doing this, you know, a couple episodes now, um, a couple months. The only recruit that I've ever spoken to is Jonathan Paler. And I'm just letting you guys know, like, that's not going to be my area of expertise when it comes to Gamecock football recruiting. It's not my role at the Big Spur or on this podcast. But I, what I can tell you and everything that I told, talked to Jonathan Paler about was, you know, on the record, he loves South Carolina. He loves Justin Stepp. Um, he told me at the time he wasn't going to take any more visits, that he felt like he knew what he needed to know. So, JC, him and Jalewis Solomon are probably be the next commitments that pop either for the Gamecocks or somebody else. You want to give your, like, 30-second rundown on each of them? And I don't want to spend too much time on this because there's only so much you can say, right? Yeah. And not like you can't say more. I'm just saying that you can't – what are we going to say for five minutes on their their recruitment? That's just ridiculous. Jonathan Paylor, if if you're the Gamecocks, you're you're probably – disappointed to the point where you, you, you maybe, uh, I mean, in my opinion, I'd tell the kid to go jump. I mean, to be honest, because, you know, this thing was basically done, you know, you go take a last minute. Done, 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 done. It wasn't done. There are no locks. There are no locks. There are no locks. I I mean, and then you go and you, you sneak off, or not sneak off, but you go take a trip to NC State. No big deal. Burlington's right there next to Raleigh. Uh, oh, and then and then the NIL thing starts coming up, and then all the money and all this good stuff. And you know, I, I think if all of a sudden after you've told a school that they lead for a year and they've basically penciled you in to the class, and they're just waiting on you to go public. And you start getting into this, oh, well, come have a bidding war over me. You know, sometimes the guys like that, or you're better off not getting them. Now, I'm not saying that's definitely the case. I just know NIL is all of a sudden a factor, um, just like with Virginia Tech and Adams. Yeah. You know, for, for state and te- for state and Virginia Tech, you know, Paler and Adams, man, you, yeah, you, you're going to. You're going to you're going to get the you're going to break out the the the, the Benjamins there. You know, but but if well, JC, it's one of the things. You know, really quick, JC, it's one of the things that I've, and I think this is where you're going with it. But the coaching staff knows who they're going to get, and in this NIL landscape, the coaches are not talking about money with kids; they're talking about opportunities with kids. But you know, the JCs of the world have to manage the NIL side of things, and you know what opportunities actually exist. Mm-hmm. And you know, there there are kids that are brandable and kids that are marketable and kids that aren't. And JC, I'm not trying to yeah. overstep here, but there's only so much you can do for some kids. And if another school wants to do more, well, your hands are kind of tied behind your back, not because you don't want the kid, but because if you're going to get this guaranteed money somewhere else, we can offer you opportunities, but that's all it kind of yeah, boils down it, to. And it, it's all, it's all speculation. It's all opportunities. Cause you're, you're not allowed. Like I'll tell you this, Matt, right now, I have not spoken to a recruit since 2015. Who was hey, I have not spoken to a recruit's to? family since 2015. My last Come recruit on, I, I talked to was I've Arden, Key, Arden Key. Arden Key. 
Oh, Arden Key, Or maybe Shmeek Blackshear is one of those two. So the Under Armour game in, in 20, yeah, 2015. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't intend to. You know, I, I don't. I think that's kind of a misconception is the collective sit there and make deals and all that stuff. No, what collectives do is they put resources in place. So the coaching staff knows like, okay, you know, here's what you can get here. If, you know, for a guy like you, this is what you could maybe expect in an IL money, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and that helps. And, um, you know, NC state had a big, Concert or something, $600,000 in a day or whatever. It was a huge success. And, you know, I think, I think for them, Jonathan Paylor is a very important recruit. I think he's important for Carolina too. They call him the missile. I I absolutely love the kid on film. And I think at some point Carolina has got to break three, break through through in North Carolina. I mean, you know, you got to start getting guys out of there at some point. Well, it's North Carolina and D.C. You want both of yeah. them. You well, don't they, want one they, or the other. Made, yeah, and, and that was the disappointing thing about Adams is, and Adams was a welcome home. I mean, that's the first time a high school kid has been – that's only the second time there's ever been a welcome home since Shane's been here where the kid hasn't ultimately uh, at least committed publicly. Um, the other welcome home was Trey John Jeffcoat. We know what happened with that. Um, yeah, this exactly. one was a kid. He committed. He called. Welcome home. Welcome home whatever. And then he basically flipped without going public. And, you know, I don't, I have no problem with any kid from Virginia wanting to stay at home and play for the Hokies. That's fine. Not, not although, at all. Like, that's why I tell although people it's all four the time, hours. JC. I mean, Blacksburg's four hours from what, let, let's be real. Blacksburg's four hours from where he lives. He'd be halfway. He'd be at three fourths of the way to Columbia, uh, you know, but yeah, yeah, Blacksburg. Yeah, yeah. let's not ah. act like it's, it's down the street. Ah. Right. Um, and, and see, I think with him and Fred Johnson, both, you're kind of cracking that shell in seven five seven, which is important as well, um, and that makes up for it in North Carolina. I, I used to think, Matt, that you know, recruiting North Carolina was this—you know—it's the only way Carolina's going to make it. You know, is to circle the wagons in both Carolinas. But I, I think well, she, come here, JC, really quick, really quick. Like when you say they, that, yeah, they think about it. Wrong. Well, no, it's not that they prove you wrong. I mean, North Carolina's still important, and it's still like a battleground state, and it's. It's not something you were wrong there. And when you said that, you're competing against North Carolina, NC State, and Duke for the home state school. So South Carolina should have a story to tell that is significant in North Carolina, close to, you know, close to home. But at the same time, NIL has kind of screwed with that. And then if you go up to Northeast, they just don't care as much. Like, I mean, really, I yeah. mean, Maryland, yeah, blah, 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 NIL. Rutgers, Penn State, like, you know, if a kid wants to go to Penn State, like Liam Andrews, he wants to go to Penn State. And he went there for a couple of reasons, but one yeah. of them was NIL. But you have to be judicious in where the NIL money goes and, like, who's marketable. So I think I mean, so, yeah. And, and look, it's, it's one of those things where I know that in certain situations, especially with the transfer portal, South Carolina lacked the resources to close the deal on some guys. Not Logan Diggs, before everybody thinks Logan yeah. Diggs, but uh, Logan Diggs some was, other guys. He, he liked Carolina. I, I think that was outside. It was outside of him, home, man. Uh, yeah. And then you know, but then there's other other decisions that had nothing to do with NIL at all. Um, and, and so it, it just kind of depends. Uh, you know, I, I do think with Adams and if they lose Paler, both. Uh, which is disappointing because they both were essentially committed. 
then yep. um never done really, never it, done it, but it, watch very close in this new era of recruiting watch the under the radar home team making a big nil play at the end <laughs> that's just all i'm gonna say that's all i got to say about that and, because yeah, it, it, you know that, that and that's a <laughs> that's a new thing in recruiting i mean I, I, you know, if this were just normal, do you, do you think Adams would really go to Virginia Tech? No, no, no. I don't. No, yeah. that that program's like lifeless right now, and and I'm and I'm sorry because I I love the Hokie fan base and and they're good people and and it makes me oh. sick. Hey, but, come I mean, really you, quick, you, you, you got to make good hires, right? And then NC State's NC State; they're perpetually eight and four for Dave Dorn. But think about this, like NC State and Virginia Tech are on par with South Carolina historically, you know, maybe a little bit better in some cases, but at the same time, yeah, yeah, but if you, but if you look at the trajectory of the schools right now, South Carolina, NC State and Virginia Tech are, South Carolina has a higher trajectory because of the SEC and because of what Shane Beamer's done so far, what you've proven with Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier, but at the end of the day, when you say like that last the last whistle has to get blown and a home state school does not want to lose a home state player. Mm-hmm. And that's where I sit there and say, look, figure figure it out. But at the end of the day, like there's still guys like Dylan Stewart, Daniel Hill, to Lewis Solomon that are all out of state guys too. So mm-hmm. I hope that everybody understands that. I don't know where to go with that, JC. You tell nah, me. Those I, I got you. I got you. Okay, so Daniel Hill, nothing's changed. And I think Phil Cornblue got in touch with his coach or something today. And the coach said, oh, yeah, he's planning on going down. The coach gave some answers and said he's torn between his five. I don't think he's torn between his five. I think South Carolina. He can't be torn between five right now. No, not, not, not if he's going to make a decision. And so I think South Carolina's in, in good shape. I think they have a. Really competitive plan. Of course, Ohio State's Ohio State. Uh, and then Miami. Again, anybody I think that goes to Miami right now, you may be better off without them. But I don't think the kid's going to Miami. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, as, as bad as Virginia Tech was last year and as mediocre as NC State is, you know, Miami had a bunch of talent and proceeded to just mail it in all year uh, for a good coach in Mario Cristobal. And oh, they've yeah. got one guy down there paying all their players a, a boatload. I mean, man, if I'm in Miami and I have two hundred grand in my pocket every semester, I'm not gonna work hard. I don't care, man. I'm going to South Beach. It doesn't matter. Football's too. JC, I I lived in I Fort mean, Lauderdale for a year. Jeez, bro, dude, dude. The one night that the. the I'm going to tell you a quick story, JC. One of the biggest regrets of my entire life was, um, for those of you listening to the podcast, you know that like Melvin Ingram, Wes Saunders, all those guys played in real basketball with the Carolina. One day I got tapped on the shoulder at the gym in Fort Lauderdale when I lived there for a year, and it was Wes. And Wes is like, what are you doing here? And so me and Wes kind of hung out. We went to dinner a couple times, and he invited me out to South Beach. And at the time, like I had a very serious girlfriend who became my wife. And I was like, dude, I do not need to go to South beach. But the night that Wes explained to me in South beach was a night that I would have liked to have experienced once in my life, but it wasn't the right decision for me at the time. (laughs) But 
that's when you say when you got 200 grand in your pocket in, in, in South Beach. Yeah, like football is not your top priority. It's just like dumb and dumber. You're just like buying Lamborghinis. Like, there you go. There you go, born. Dude, I mean, my, I, favorite, my favorite quote of all time is anytime I see a limo, me and my friends all say, oh, must be Burt Reynolds. <laughs> all right. So we talked about Daniel Hill. Daniel Hill, like, we, yeah, we still yeah. feel we still feel good about it. I mean, you that's can never discount same. Alabama. That's another situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he has one one member of his inner circle that would like to see him at Alabama. And if you're a Gamecock fan, that's annoying. I'd call it that's what I call it annoying. Yeah. But look, people gotta take a step back and, and, and also realize sometimes uh there's a human element to it. And you know, if, if I had a son and I'd grown up in Mississippi and I played ball and wanted to go to Alabama. I, I'd never quite made it to Alabama and Alabama wanted my kid. And you have to understand too, Meridian is not, and I say I've said this over and over, it's not deep Mississippi. It's right across the border. So in other words, I mean, it's Florence to Columbia, but closer, which is, yeah, which it's is like Spartanburg to Columbia. So yeah, so Carolina is not only working against Alabama, they're working against proximity, which is weird. So I don't, I don't, uh, and, and, and crazy thing is, if you talk to anybody on the staff, they still think they're getting him. So we'll see. They, well, they need him. They, they need to have a, a, good, enough, a good running back. Well, they they passed on the kid from Arkansas, JC. I'm blanking on his name right now. But I think they could have got the kid from Arkansas if they really wanted him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just kind of chalk it up to the Gamecock coaching staff. Hopefully knows what they're doing. I think that they do know what they're doing. I think that Daniel Hill is still solidly a Gamecock lean. And that's just what I'll say right now. Because JC has taught me a lesson today where nothing is ever done. And yes. a while ago, like when I, when I first started this podcast, and you got to remember, like I hear things from time to time, well, more than time to time. And I take a lot of it as just you know, books of the gospel, because like the people that tell me things are not wrong. They're just not. I mean, I knew about Nicholas Harbor in August of last year. I knew about Jordan Birch three months before he committed to South Carolina. And I have to learn my lesson here when I say something is done, that it's not done. And you talk about all these kids that committed to Georgia and Florida recently, especially on the defensive line. They had great visits to South Carolina. And I think sometimes you have to take that as tongue in cheek of what a great visit is because a great visit can be a great visit and it can be locked in. I'm coming. I can't wait to be there. And then all of a sudden things change because we're talking about 16, 17, 18 year old kids in some cases, 19 year old kids that, you know, when you talk about NIL and everything that, that pops into play there, you know, things can change in a millisecond, and it's a little bit different than what it's been the past couple of years when I tell you that done has been done in my mind. Mm. And, JC, you can probably attest to that. Like, done has been done before NIL popped onto the scene. You know, you might have a kid that's going to commit a couple, couple weeks, maybe two months later, but done has been done, and it's just not done anymore. And I think that leads us straight into Jalewis Solomon and – Dylan Stewart. Um, JC, I'm going to say what I've said on this podcast for, or the show for weeks now, until somebody tells me something differently, I still feel really good about Dylan Stewart. And I don't know what else to tell you guys. Like nothing has changed on that front. 
nothing is ever done. I keep I feel like I'm a broken record at this point, but nothing's ever done. But the Gamecocks do feel good about him. Lewis Solomon's a wild card man, JC. I don't know what to expect with him. Anytime he goes, anytime he goes somewhere, they're his favorite school. And you gotta watch out for Auburn because he's gonna take a visit to Auburn as well. I really do hope the Gamecocks get him in for their cookout. I think it might be one of those situations where the last team to kind of host him, you know, wins this recruitment for his public announcement. But JC, I've said this on my show for weeks now. I don't think Jalewis Solomon's done until it's until you get that signed NIL or NLI. I hate that, JC. NIL and NLI. Why couldn't they come up with better acronyms? It's hilarious. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I think, um, you know, with Jalewis, I, I sort of felt like, and he's another one, like, here we go. You know, you got South Carolina, Florida State, Auburn. They desperately want this kid. 24-7 sports has him as a high three-star. <laughs> South Carolina literally says that's a three-year-and-done NFL player. I'm sure other schools feel the same way, but dude, that, on top of that though, think about think about his younger brother, the five star linebacker. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's me and I'm doing recruiting, I'm looking at the bloodline and I'm saying, okay, this guy is a uh, like exactly what you said. What the coaching staff has said for a while, three three and done. You put him with Torian Gray and you, you just watch the magic happen and wish him well on his way to the NFL, but. I don't. I, that's one I don't understand at all. You have Auburn, Florida State, and South Carolina, not teams that are desperate for recruits, teams that are prioritizing this recruit, and all of a sudden dropped. Tell me, I know you can't tell me why. You don't know why, but I have no idea why he dropped. I'll say this: I think, um, I, I, I think with him, it, it, there's a lot at play. I. I was sort of surprised to hear South Carolina was even like still a factor, just to be honest. I thought I was too, you know, I thought that was dead in the water. Uh, And then lo and behold, you know, they're fighting Florida state for him. All of a sudden it was kind of weird. Like a Florida state uh, outlet had reported that he's going to Auburn for the weekend, which I, I was, I thought that was weird. And then, yeah, South Carolina comes back and says, nah, so they get they're getting he and his mom over on Thursday. They're gonna spend the night and go to the cookout Friday. And the game cars are gonna take their last shot. Um, the feedback from him has been good. Uh and then Dylan Stewart, kind of the highest ranked guy of them all, although he too has been mysteriously dropping, right? Um and, and, and some of these folks will go mysterious. Probably, if they listen to this, they're screaming Fred Johnson right now. Well, Great. There's your special little outlier in Greg Johnson. Right. I don't, I don't care. You're, you're, this isn't horse trading. Rank them all correctly. Uh, you know, use your, not use your noodle, your common sense. Um, but, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, with Stewart, it's, you know, it's, it's been kind of status quo and, uh, as, as, as kind of up and down as my contacts have felt about a lot of guys lately. They've they've never wavered on on Stewart, and I could care less what the crystal balls say right now. I I I understand why they say what they say, and don't get me wrong. If I were in that position, their position, I'd probably do the same thing. But uh, I well, think it's funny, JC. Really good shape. And see, Matt, if you can close, 
even if Paler goes to NC State, if you can close with Hill, Solomon, and Stewart, that's three big time SEC level guys. Yeah, and then and then JC, what happens is the, and I don't know the best way to say this, JC. I'm calling it the Great Reset of the 2024 recruiting class. Because what's going to happen is, okay, you land those, JC, what, three, four guys. Let's say they go four for four. All of a sudden, you have 17 commits and you have eight roster spots or eight class spots left in the 2024 recruiting class. And and I tell you guys all the time, you, you're not limited to 25 or 27 or 28 or 40 kids. It's whatever your 85 scholarship limit allows you to to have on your roster when you know that deadline comes. But you're you're talking about eight more kids that are going to commit, and I had I had a, I had a conversation with the poster on the Big Spur the other day, and just said, look, these are still like nine more guys that are available, and the Gamecocks are not going to get them all. But JC, like, talk about like this reset here, where if you get those three guys that you just mentioned, and let's say that Paler comes through, and that's four guys, you're only looking at eight more guys the rest of the class, and. In my mind, JC, the coaches have to be a bit more selective in who they take and when they take them because they're going to be potentially coaching changes. There are going to potentially be opportunities where players that were not available now are available. And I just would encourage everybody to sit there and remember that this class is fantastic right now and it's just lacking in numbers. It's not lacking in quality. And, that, and that's the beauty of, of you know, number one, South Carolina's class does not have to be that large this year. Number two, that's the beauty of the transfer portal. And, and number three, it kind of allows the staff to to sort of pay attention to some senior risers, maybe some guys within the state that pop up as they inevitably do. Because if you're full, you hate to lose. You hate to see a guy pop up in the state and then you lose him, right? Or he goes to Clemson. Or well, think, think, so. think about Debo Samuel. Think about like the guys like Pharaoh Cooper who rose and all of a sudden back when they could go to the Shrine Bowl practices, all of a sudden that guy jumped because of the Shrine Bowl to, from a mid three-star to a mid to high four-star and has no offers, none. Late, and that, Late offers that have come through this program include Sky Moore, Rashad Fenton, Debo Samuel, I mean, those are great. Those are a lot of great players, right? Oh, it goes, it goes on and on. And like, and that was one of the things, like when I first started recruiting back in like, I don't know, like Oh four, Oh five. I mean, I still remember like the super, not super friends, but what was it? The puzzle piece class, the Oh seven yeah. class with Gary Gray. Um, How about Gary but, I mean, Gray? golly, dude, if I could make Gary Gray a reference on every episode, I would just because, God, so when did JC? When did you start the Big Spur? Was it oh seven or oh nine? It was it was oh seven, but it was that class was done because we I, we we started yeah. in fall of oh seven. So so that class was done. So I mean, talk about picking a hell of a time to start a Gamecock recruiting website when everything's you know kind of going balls to the wall and everyone's excited. But so guys, I just say this about this class and like, we're going to, I'm going to tie a bow on this one, JC, because I want to talk to you about two more things before we let everybody go. Mm-hmm. And guys, this is probably going to be a longer episode than what you're used to. But when you get the Godfather on, you know, you kind of go where the Godfather wants to go, which is <laughs> a lot of fun for me because I'm, I'm really excited. Like JC, we do this, what, like once a month where we have like a two hour marathon conversation 
And most of the time it happens way, not way later, but we're recording this, you know, nine o'clock my time, eight o'clock JC's. But, you know, most of the time it's when our wives go to sleep and we're just kind of hanging out and wanting to chat and we have like a two hour marathon. So you're getting a good, a good little bit of um, insight on me and JC's kind of conversations, which is a lot of fun. But JC, I know that on the big spur, we've had to kind of curtail this NIL conversation it's kind of gotten a life of its own and and that's a good thing there's a lot of excitement about nil but you know just i want to i want you a lot of money it's a lot of money too matt i mean (laughs) which is a good thing it's a good thing we 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 we're up since since us now we we've had some folks write some 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 not like i'll I'll be honest there's not a check that's come in over eleven thousand dollars uh which isn't huge but uh since we started the Diamond Fund on Father's Day, which is a baseball only thing, and then the Park Avenue deal got announced, and stuff, we're up one hundred and seventy three thousand dollars in a month and eight days, primarily based on small dollar donations, <laughs> or, or not donations, membership fees. I call them donations; they're not they're membership. Well, well fees. JC, I had I had somebody come to me and like when I talked about this on the show like two or three shows ago when I did my NIL special. Mm-hmm. I said, look, $5 is enough if you tell five, 10 friends to give $5 as well. Like it's, it's a collective. It's not yeah. everybody donating a thousand dollars, $50, a hundred dollars a month. It's the powers and numbers. And JC really quick, before we go into that kind of conversation, just tell it, tell some stories about like what Carolina rise has done for Gamecock athletes. And you know, not the, you know what everyone thinks NIL is. Everybody thinks that NIL is, oh, we're getting guys Lamborghinis and huh. you know they're going to strip clubs. Like that's not what it is. Tell tell the story about like kids going home for Christmas or yeah yeah. No, go I ahead, this, go ahead. I said I'll this on talk. the show. Yeah, I said this on the show. You know, a, a kid needed money to get home for Christmas. A, a kid's parents had a utility bill to pay. You know, we we've handled some car repairs, moving expenses, all that good stuff. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, our role with football. Uh, we help on the front end with incoming guys. Uh, we help, uh, where we can with other things. I mean, we had a a two event situation in Columbia and Charleston paid out over $21,000 to our football guys. Um, and then they had to do something for that money. That's the thing people miss. Yeah, they showed up and, you know, and, and, and we like to keep it simple. You know, we like to keep it kind of, okay, you want to help us shoot a promotional video or, you know, tweet out a link to one of our business clients, uh, website pages or, 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 or give these, Oh, you did that. You love. did that for heritage digital, my company. Yeah. You know, I mean, Stone, so, Stone Blaine came and out that's kind of how we stuff. do it. Yeah. Stone, Stone did well with his heritage <laughs> commercial, it but it, it's, it's really beyond that. And so that part of it's very gratifying for me. Um, you know, I think sometimes, it, you know, like if you see a kid in Lamborghini, that that in this in the collective business it, it both works in your favor because it helps your school recruit because <laughs> the kid the recruits out there love it they're like man if I go to South Carolina I could be driving I'm a Lamborghini, a Lamborghini. <laughs> uh, but it, it also works against you when you're trying to grow it with the fans and and look I, I see this a lot and I understand and look if it were up to me there would be no collectives nil. Uh, anything like that. If it were up to me, the NCAA would have made the decision 
uh, a while back with the Ed O'Bannon case and, and just not being as stupid and greedy as they were. And this is, this is a, this is that organization being greedy as you know what, and, and, yep. and, and, oh, yeah. and clinging to old ideas. And it's crazy because uh, it's run by a bunch of academic, you know, academic bureaucrats, uh, professors, and they're the first to get out there and tell you how diverse their school is and how it's all about opportunity and equity and all this other stuff. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. But they don't want any athletes getting any of their money, do they? It's a lot of, it's a lot of jealousy because I'm doing crap. something. Yeah. I'm doing something greater than you. And yes. your thing doesn't, isn't valued like mine is because yeah. I'm making this academic blah 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 and look my wife it sucks my wife is you know getting her doctorate she is going to be a professor and you know one day i might have to have this conversation with her hopefully not tomorrow but but no that's the academic side of things and the way things work but one of the things that's so important that i think with the collective is the fact that for the first time in my adult life or my entire life jc i actually have a say and you know, before I started working for the Big Spur, I was donating to Carolina Rise. Like I have all my friends donating to Carolina Rise because for the first time you have the opportunity to help South Carolina land somebody. And JC, one of the things that I say all the time on this show is the fact that if you like, let's say this will be fun, JC, if you like Ohio State and South Carolina pretty equally, but one of those schools is going to offer you 1.25, 1.5 more NIL dollars, you know, and when I say that, it's all branding and potential and there's no guarantees. But if you like them both equally, JC, which school would you pick? You're going to go to the one with the most opportunity. And yeah, and, and look, those that, that number, those numbers don't get that high. I mean, and, and I think. Well, just 1.5 of... times what the other person's willing to offer. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. if it's like, if it's $100. Not million, yeah. Yeah, not 1.5 um, million. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go where there's more opportunity. And, and that, that's what it is. It's like, and when, when people kind of, well, you know, fans pay for tickets and they pay for Gamecock Club and they pay for this and they pay for that. Yeah, you do. And, and unfortunately, um, uh, it's up to the fan base. And, and you know, so, so I say three things, you know, number one, uh, your money that you pay into Carolina rise uh, for membership. Um, well, number one, we're working on some benefits for individuals and we got benefits for businesses. So you do get something, but, but number, number one, you know, um, you know, you're not necessarily paying for some entitled player, uh, to take your money and they'll get, get in the portal. You're paying for the real life things that I said most of the time. Keep in mind, there's 85 guys on a football team. And, you know, people say, well, well the elite guys, what, what about this guy? All right. So, all right. Who are the elite guys on Carolina's team right now? Basically, Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells. Juice. Uh, and Nick Emanuori. Can you go out there and win a football game with those three? No. Nope. <laughs> you can't play three. So, there's starters out there that have real needs, guys. I mean, you know, um, and you're helping, you're basically helping them. There's a lot of guys on a football team. Baseball, it's totally ridiculous not, to, if you love the baseball team, not to consider to do it because the, none of those guys are on full scholarship. Hey, Justin Smoke was on 60% scholarship when he was at Carolina. Justin freaking I, I, Smoke. I sure love watching Justin Smoke hit home runs. That yeah. was fun. 
But, but dude, and these kids, they don't list walk-ons versus scholarship people on the baseball roster of the program. And they take just as much crap as the football and, and basketball guys do from fans. Oh, dude, JC, JC, you know, here's the, here's the crazy thing. Like people don't realize this. And I've said this, if you guys are the first time listener or long time listener, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this again. My brother was a walk-on college basketball player at an in-state school. There was no way my brother could have had a part-time job. There was no way for her, him to earn any income based on school, based on, you know, going to study hall, weight room, practice, traveling for games. Like, there's just no way to earn any income. And that's what people don't realize. Like, this is more, and JC, correct me if I'm wrong, this might be 500 to $3,000 a month that an athlete is actually earning and they don't have the opportunity to earn that money. You know, you know, everyone talks about, oh gosh, what was the quarterback who worked at Publix before he became a football player? And then uh, Perry Orth, you know, he was stocking groceries at Publix to earn extra income. And then he wasn't able to do that once he became a football player. Like, just think about that. Like the lack of opportunity to earn money. And go ahead, JC, I'll let you run with it. Yeah, well, and like I said, baseball players, most of the NIL money goes for books, tuition. They're paying for school, you know, taking the burden off their parents or, or whatever. And, and so that's number one. It's not all Lamborghinis and, and, and entitled kids. There's a lot of real life needs. Number two, you know, everybody wants to kind of go, you know, and I think a lot of times Gamecock fans wait around on somebody to save the day. Um, and I think that's kind of ingrained because of the success, some of the success this program's had have been because, you know, Lou Holtz sweeps in, sweeps in or Steve Spurrier or Frank McGuire or Ray Tanner or, who, or Don Staley or whoever. And so the, so that they kind of put their faith in others to solve it. Um, this is the first time at all schools where, you know, you have a chance to compete yourselves. You know, you, you always, they were always talking about Clemson and what Clemson does or what Georgia does, or these school or that school or the other school. Well, you have a chance to, to compete. In, in this arena and, and for the first time fans of all schools can have a direct impact on winning and losing through roster. And that used to not happen. You can build all the buildings you want. You can give money for all the projects you want. You can buy all the season tickets and the t-shirts you want and all that. You're still putting faith in a coach and an AD or an assistant or, or, or a pitch that you're not hearing uh, in order for them to obtain talent. You know, money talks. And if the more NIL dollars you have in place, you know, to overcome a bad pitch or something like that, the better. So you can have a direct impact on your roster. And that's, to me, that would be fun. You know, well, and the, and the, th- the best part about that. Yeah. Go ahead, JC. I didn't make yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, number three, it's like, you know, there's 16,000 Gamecock club members for Carolina rise to get to where it's like really rolling. And that's with park Avenue and everything. Probably needs 16% of that total. And, yeah. and 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 at a lower price point, a lower, I mean, you know, $18 and a penny a month. I'm sorry. That's not as much as, as, as Gamecock club tickets. It's not as Ooh. much as there's not a ticket to a single game that costs that much. And, and so everybody's like, well, why am I being charged on top of this? And, and I think, I think what it is, is you, you have to kind of dig in with people and, and, and explain to them. Cause a lot of them still have this old school, like mad at Ray Tanner, irrational thing or they're mad at the administration 
you know, we're going like an old school, we're going streaking down the lawn <laughs> through the gymnasium, what they're mad, you know, damn the man, whatever. The establishment, you know, whatever. And, and they don't understand. You're not giving this money to the school. You're you're basically giving it, passing it through a pass through, and it goes to the players. You know, you, you, you it doesn't matter what Ray Tanner is doing. It doesn't matter what the coaches are doing. It doesn't matter that you know. I, I, there are people that wanted to give to the Diamond Fund that just didn't do it. They're like, I don't think the, the school supports baseball because they let Justin Parker go. Well, that has nothing to do with anything because. It doesn't Nothing matter. Nothing at all. It doesn't no. matter who the coach is here. Yeah. It's not your normal kind of deal where I'm pulling my money because I'm unhappy with the coach or I'm pulling it because of this. And see, this is this is why at Alabama and other places, they're starting to talk, Matt, about donor fatigue. And this is really not going to be about donors and big donors and people coming to write you a big check and save the day. And people mentioned Darla Moore and Joe Rice and all these people. They're not coming to save you. You know, Joe Rice does all he can for the athletics department. Period. Um, it's up to all of us, and 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 it's sustainable that way because you know donors like to write checks every five ten years for something big, and right? and it's also tied into some tax benefit that they're going to get yep. because of some purchase they made that year. It's they're not, not going, just like it's not out of the goodness of their heart, guys. They're like, not they're going not, to write no. six-figure checks every year for NIL. They don't have to do that. And you know, so you got to find kind of the middle ground. You got to find the guys that that have enough to give you something to make a dent in it. And then you got to find the guys that a bunch of guys that are just giving what they can. And that's what's going to make it sustainable. I mean, I, I think South Carolina could have a Ten to twelve million dollar annually, uh, which is plenty, plenty yeah, guys. That's Understand plenty that that's to do. Plenty. Yeah, at some point between us and Garnet Trust, and and then with Park Avenue, you 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 not only have the cash in place, but you have a differentiator there with those guys because they're doing things that nobody else does. So, uh, so Jason, really quick, talk it. about talk about Park Avenue. I don't think people understand what Park yeah, Avenue actually means, and tough. I've done my best. Yeah, it's okay. So, so what Park Avenue was, it was originally, you know, those that said the university just kind of sat on its heels about this. They didn't. They wanted to come up with something that was original and unique. And so Everett Sports Management out of Greenville, they represent Jalen Hurts, Nick Chubb, the Cavender twins. Uh, they approached us like, hey, well, you know, what if you brought us in in-house to, to work at the university uh, Park Avenue, and then we go out with our professionals because we have all these connections to major brands and seek deals for your players. Well, great. And there's a big announcement and all that, and it was super. We had Chance Miller and Hillary Cox on. It was a game changer. Well, then the the NCAA, again, a bunch of geniuses in Indianapolis, uh, you know, some, some I guess, Lower level Bucknell administrator, she decided that oh, that's a that's an extra benefit. So Carolina had to decouple with it, and and so then it was going to go with the other collective. They decided for whatever reason that it wasn't feasible for them, and uh, so we were approached to do it. And I thought it was an absolute no brainer because knowing the recruiting landscape and knowing what needs to be done to win at recruiting, you need to be different. You need to be have a different. You have something that differentiates you. And this coaching staff does that enough, Matt. Uh, 
but when there's money and 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 and, and business involved, yeah, a hundred percent. Love and welcome home. It, it, it's not always going to get you across the finish line. It's going to get you right up to it. Um, you're going to need a little bit something. You need a little something extra. Nick Harbor is a good example of that. He wanted to come to South Carolina. The actual cash he probably would have made at Oregon was probably much greater. But he wanted to come to South Carolina, and because of Park Avenue and, and some other deals, South Carolina was enough. It was enough. And, and that's and that, that's, that's why JC. Really quick, JC. That's why when I got a call in August that we we're getting Nick Harper, August of last year, and it was because of Park Avenue. And Park Avenue had just been launched. And I remember saying, like, what the heck? How can Park Avenue have this kind of impact on a five star oh, yeah. player? And then the person that I was talking to, JC, told me that, no, you don't understand because they don't take a penny and they're going to get him X amount of dollars. Now, I'm not I'm not going to share the amount of money anyone ever makes in NIL unless it's public knowledge. But yeah. that was but that, enough yeah. for him to consider it. And, you know, NIL is something that like with Park Avenue, I mean, JC, like he's part of Beats by Dre now and a cologne company <laughs> like he. And they, it's they don't, unbelievable. They don't take any money. And and, and Chase, Chase Belt, who uh, is, is kind of now the, heading that up for for ESM, we had her on the show the other day. I mean, and she's just very aggressive. I mean, every day there's something out there uh, about Nick, and you know, and look that that's how South Carolina has to put have every resource available to them. That's why I was kind of in shock that. You know, I was even, we were even approached about this uh, and, you know, but I, I'll, I'll gladly do everything I can to, to continue to bring the money into Carolina rise to, to fund that and 90% of the baseball roster and to be the Aflac of the football roster and everything else. You know, I, uh, there's probably some announcements coming up pretty soon. Uh, uh, that, that's just, the stuff I'm excited about. That, I'm excited that to get that release. Cause I can't talk about it, but I want to. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about, but oh, you're talking about something different. Okay, I'll leave okay. it at that. Now, there's there are some exciting announcements coming up, uh, okay, with uh, with certain parts of, of what's going to be going on at Carolina, but uh, but they uh, it's going to maybe be a little bumpy, things are going to be a little bumpy, maybe for a while, or maybe there's a little more confusion, but I just uh, you know, I'm proud of the work we've done with Carolina Rise. I'm, I'm proud of the impact of the lives we've made. I'm, I'm proud of the the way we've been able to reach Gamecock fans and explain to them about NIL. Um, and while at the same time completely respecting people that are just absolutely against it, you know, and like I said, that's fine. We just need 16%. 16%. That's not a big percentage, man, at all. And no, we're not, not talking about a bunch of Gamecock dollars. Club? Yep. No, we're not we're talking not. about a and bunch of people numbers. writing big checks either. And and I, I think we can do it. I believe in this fan base. If you look historically, the one thing South Carolina's always had going for it, loyal, loyal fans. You know, and and in our state, we don't have oil fields. <laughs> we we have great small business climate and uh a tremendous hospitality uh sector. And we uh, do. I think we got to tap into that. Uh, I think Garnet Trust has done a great job tapping into the hospitality part of it. Uh, I'm going to focus really hard on the on the business climate end of it, while also doing a few hospitality things of my own. But uh, I think I think we can all get there 
we play to our strengths and, and come together and just can, and, and it's not about browbeating folks. If you give to a collective and your buddy won't, don't get mad at him and him or her. No, just try don't to, do that. Try to educate him. You know, try <laughs> educate. to try to just say this is why. This is an example. This is an example. And they'll come All around. All right, JC. So, we don't we don't like to be told what to do. We're South Carolinians. Don't tell us what to do. You gotta you gotta kind of lead us to water, right? Or we get pissed off. <laughs> so JC, how how can how can folks that might have been on the fence get in touch with you? for Carolina rise or make a donation, or if they have questions, oh, sure. you know, yeah, go, go to, uh, just go to Carolina rise.com. All the con, con, you know, the, the, the contact stuff is there. Uh, you can drop me a DM on the big spur. If you're on the big spur, uh, you can also send an email Carolina rise, LLC at gmail.com. Uh, if you own a local business, I would love to love to hear from you too. But, you know, I've said a lot of this stuff on the show and, uh, uh, but this is kind of a different venue. So, um, but yeah, I would love to, uh, love to talk to anybody that has any questions and I've got, uh, I've got a bunch of answers up on, on the big spur and we'll continue to uh, answer them. So, yeah, but by all means, make sure that if you're not a member of the big spur, you join, if you have some questions, you reach out to JC. He had a great thread today where people asked every question under the sun as it related to NIL. Um, so check that out. If you have questions, you can always reach out to me and I can get you in touch with JC if you, if you need to, and we'll have that conversation, but to close it out, let's, um, let's talk about something fun, JC. Like, I don't know if you have the class from last year up. I know you probably got it freaking memorized. You don't got to look it up, but let's just, um, let's kind of volley this back and forth. Um, I don't want this to take too long just because, um, there's only so much you can say, right. But you give me five guys, I'll give you five guys from last year's class that we're hearing good things about and um you know we'll just we'll do a back and forth kind of like a snake style it's not really a draft but it's just you know someone you're hearing good things about so i'm gonna start out and ah gosh i want to take my boy but i'm not gonna take him um cameron sandlin um this Mm. is a guy that i heard the gamecocks when they lost jaheim bell kind of thought that cameron sandlin had an opportunity to kind of reef kind of fill that role a little bit taller, a little bit bigger than Jaheim Bell, a guy that, that can catch the ball in the backfield, can throw the football, can catch catch the ball, um, obviously run. He's playing running back right now as probably as just out of need, but I think he's eventually going to be an H-back guy and a guy that I've just heard good things about and the coaching staff was excited. JC, anything you want to add on Cameron before we go to – or Cameron, until we go to the next one? No, don't be surprised if he gets a little bit of, of time at running back uh, this year. Um, I'm going to go with Zabari Sandy. Uh, okay. That's a guy, he was the probably, I think, the first commit in the class. Uh, Washington, D.C. kid. Uh, showed up at about 215, 6'1". I mean, that's kind of a DQ Smith-type build coming in. and I mean, that's a big guy, uh, you know, Shoot, if he gets too much bigger, he may go into a linebacker. But I loved his film and thought, you know, he was a, one of those typical D.C. kids, kind of raw but physical. And, you know, now that I've seen him, you know, he's a bigger guy coming in. You know, keep keep an eye on, on, on Zabari because that he's a guy people completely forget about because of all the other players from the DMV Carolina got, uh, they forget that he was the one that led the way. And that's what I was going to say. Big piece in that DMV area, you know, going to future classes with um, with that kid, Zabari Sandy. So, JC, I'm going to go off the radar here a little bit. I don't think you're going to expect this one, but Connor Cox. Um, there's obviously not a lot of opportunity for him right now with the tight ends that we have on roster and then obviously the Florida transfer. 
Nick that came in. But Connor Cox is a guy that the Gamecock coaching staff was high on when they took his commitment. And, you know, 6'5", 220 pounds. He's probably going to need a little bit of time to get used to college ball. But he's he, he came from Florida, and he's a guy that I have high hopes for maybe two or three years down the road. Bowl school in Jacksonville. Uh, look, and he's a guy, too, that was hurt his junior year. You know, sometimes guys like that, because people, everybody insists on recruiting so early. I was going to say that about rankings earlier. They, they, they rank guys way too early these days, and then nobody wants to be wrong, so actual good players can't move up because, oh, my God, it can't be wrong. Anyway, yeah, I could go on and on about that. But, yeah, so Cox was hurt, uh, came back senior year, looked really good, naturally strong kid. Uh, I think he'll play special teams this year. Um, he or Reed McKeska won, maybe both. Uh, and then mm-hmm. next year, you know, Simon and Knox are gone after this year. So, Bye-bye. you know, you're going to have Michael Smith coming in, and then you're going to have uh, Nick Elks, Nick and, Reed, and Connor, and then these two guys and, and and Cam Sandlin. So we'll see what happens. So, all right, JC, you're up next. Who you got? You got. Oh. It's kind of fun. It's a fun game. I mean, you, you know, know, everybody's talking about Lenora Sellers already. I, oh, that was my guy. Go ahead. I want to give him to you. You know, I but no, I, uh, I everybody's talked about him. I and I've talked about Kilgore and and Braswell and Swain. You know, Xavier McLeod's interesting to me because you know he came in about three twenty. He's now two eighty four. But and Keith Alsop and I talked about his film and just how quick twitch he is and georgia really wanted this kid right they thought he was really good and i i I think what happened to xavier he got on the the radar so early and i think sometimes when you're a kid and you know for sure you're going to college somewhere you you, maybe you you don't put it all out out there and then he had some issues early in his, his senior year where he got benched or something and and then he came back with a vengeance and the light came on and he won Mr. Football and he was a senior riser and really good. So I, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, this year, uh, can he get in the rotation? I absolutely think they think that he can. Um, and, and I think, you know, he's one of those kids that because he's been on the radar for forever, for four years or whatever, you know, um, well, sometimes they can forget, get nitpicky too. It. It, yeah, it's just like college basketball. Like if you've been on the radar for so long, then all of a sudden your game gets yeah. nitpicked versus like the exciting new prospect you see. Yeah. Um, so another guy that I'm going to go here with is um, let me find him, Tyshawn Russell. He's a guy that has only played wide receiver for one year. He's really, really freaking fast, really electric when he gets the ball in his hands. I don't know if he'll be a pump returner in the future, if he'll actually break into the rotation, but just a name to keep in your back pocket there. So Tyshawn Russell broke on the scene late. And JC, anything you want to add on him? I think we got like two or three more each. Yeah, he's uh, Bishop McDevitt. That's a great school. LaShawn McCoy played at Bishop McDevitt. I didn't know um, that. Very fast kid. uh, And uh, was kind of the second receiver on that team, but sometimes that second receiver. I'll never forget this, guys. I watched one of the best games I've ever seen in high school was St. Thomas Aquinas versus uh, Burns down in Fort Lauderdale. It was Marcus Lattimore's senior year. And it was back and forth. Marcus, for some reason, fumbled four times that game. It was very uncharacteristic of him, but he, he still <laughs> killed him. 
St. Thomas Aquinas won, and, you know, their big running back was Gio Bernard, uh, who was a first-round draft pick. Went to North Carolina. Yeah, but their other back was a guy named James White, <laughs> who <laughs> went to Wisconsin. Uh, kind of, He was the second guy, and well, well he's just going to go to Wisconsin rushed for a billion yards and, and played for the Patriots for years. So, and ended up with a better pro career than Gio. So sometimes that second guy at a, at a powerhouse school will sneak up on you. Especially a guy that only played for one year really before yeah. he you know broke onto the scene. All right, JC, how about you do, um, I'm, I'm going to pick him for you. How about this? Unless you want to, unless you got somebody you really want to talk about. Not I got, you got to talk, you got to talk about the mayor, Pup Howard. I think people need to know about him. He's gigantic. Um, and, and look, I, I learned my, this is another lesson learned from, from recruiting. We all kind of saw Brandon spikes when he was a senior and we all wanted to move him. And when we put him as a defensive end, Oh, he's a D end. And he wasn't, he was just a big linebacker, right? <laughs> uh, pretty good. Big linebacker. Um, there were a couple of Muschamps guys at Florida that played safety that we, we kind of moved to linebacker. And they said Keanu Neal was one of them, and he stayed at safety and was great. So beware of wanting to move people too fast. Uh, you know, like – It's not instantly football. Yeah, it's everybody not. everybody wanted to move freaking Nick and Warren and D.Q. Smith to linebacker because they're bigger kids and, and, and linebackers struggling. But this, the, you know, you run that by the coaching staff, and they laugh. They they could literally laugh, chuckle, giggle, whatever you want to say, because those are two stud safeties. And why would you weaken your safeties? You know, you want to get better linebacker, go recruit, go develop. You know, and and that, because those two kids are rare at safety, Carolina's very fortunate. But uh, you know, so I wouldn't move pup just yet. I mean, now. You get to be like 270, 280. Like Melvin Ingram is is a legit example of someone that was just going to outgrow linebacker. I don't think Pup's that kind of guy. I think he's a lot like Jasper Brinkley. Um, kind of reminds me of Jasper, just a big old dude that'll go hit you, that has instincts and isn't slow, isn't as good laterally. So I'd, and look, he is a tremendous first class individual that loves being at Carolina and that, you know, in his interview with Hale at Pigskin Poets, you know, he, he, he seems to be mature already beyond his years. So uh, that battle between him and Debo Williams at the will linebacker position, I think is going to be very interesting. And because Debo's know, not going to give it up. He's going well, to fight. I, well, fight, I've been told fight. They, they think Debo's probably going to be the starter there. Nobody'd be shocked if 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 Pup beats him out, or at least, you know, I expect Pup to play a whole lot this year. How about that? Yeah, um, Vicari Swan's another kid. Anytime that Deion Sanders takes a a major interest in you and pushes hard at the cornerback position, I'm excited about him. He's you know six foot, 175 pounds. I think that he's a guy that just keep an eye on. I don't know if he's going to be ready to play right away, but it might be kind of like a Cam <clears throat> Smith situation. I don't know. What do you think? I think he's a too good, too good to keep off the field guy. Um, Ah, I just, I mean, I think that he's good. Well, keep in mind, Cam was like 162 pounds. You know, yeah, and you know, Vicari's bigger than that, and And Vicari, but and Vicari's also from he's 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 a Carrollton Central kid 
from West Georgia. It's a little bit more advanced as far as they're the resources and stuff they have in their football program than maybe Westwood. But I mean, he, he maybe not, maybe not, but I, I just know with like every time you turned around last year, everybody in the country was talking, you know, everybody that recovered recruiting, Vakari Swain, Vakari Swain, Vakari Swain. Uh, you know, I think it was South Carolina, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt were his final three. Uh, and then Colorado yeah. tried to snag him at the end. And he's like, nah, it's too cold. Um, <laughs> and he ended up a hunt number 139th in the country. Now, since I've talked about our rankings all night, maybe that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I always but, say, JC. It's a but, double-edged you know, sword. There's maybe it's stuff bad, they get right but, uh, and some stuff they get wrong. And I, it's, I do it's know your job McCoy to call it out. Has a lot of speed. I knew I know he has a lot of speed and playmaking ability. And I'm I'm sort of looking forward to seeing, you know, where he fits uh here in, in spring in, in preseason practice because he may fit somewhere. I mean Look, we're all sitting around going, hey, is it going to be Eddie Lewis or Amari and Brown or cut, cut returning punts? Well, Might hell, be it could be Vicari Swain. <laughs> I mean, that that's the kind of – if he surprises you, that's the kind of thing you're sitting there going and you're in, in week seven and you're going, well, what would Carolina have done without Vicari Swain returning punts? I mean, he's elite, you know, and, he's, and we're not even talking three about of them back. Yeah, we're not even talking about it in July. So, uh, anyway, but, yeah, I, I – I, you know, people need we'll to really go back and dig into this 2023 class because it there's there's some ballers. There's some ballers in here. Well, JC, instead of us going back and forth, how about you? I'm going to ask you to hit on – I got to ask you to hit on Jalen Kilgore after all that crap that happened on the message boards. But if there's anybody you want to highlight, just highlight oh, them, and yeah. then we'll, we'll get out of here. All I said was this. Nick Emanuele needs to work hard because he could get beaten out by Jalen Kilgore. And everybody lost their damn mind. Lost their and, mind. And all I was saying was everybody, I was making a general point. Everybody needs to work hard, including Nick Emanuele. And I, and, and, and I, you know, Nick had a great first year. He's a great tackler. I mean, great player. He could be one of the top 10 players in college football, but he's not a finished product yet. And I think everybody's sitting there thinking he's Cam Chancellor right now, and he's not. He's got to get better. Everybody does. Everybody. There yeah, are that's very all few, it was. There are very few Marcus Lattimore's. That, that Marcus really didn't really have to get any better. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. he was really good for Brown. I mean, but but I mean, this kid does, and 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 he will, and he's working. It's the same with DQ, and. um but everybody lost their mind, and 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 I don't think those people like really focused on Kilgore in the spring game because uh, that, the kid looked really good. I mean, he looked like he belonged. I mean, he was busting heads, making tackles. Uh, he's a he was an absolute steal by Torian Gray, and it's hard to you know. And then again, there was a I think Hale had to like beg them to give him four stars, but. Uh, I mean, Kilgore's at, at another the, Georgia kid, man. At, at the end, he's he a had, tough kid. You know, he had Clemson and Oklahoma wanted him. Brent Venables flew over 137 other safety prospects to come personally recruit him from Oklahoma. So Clemson wanted him. I mean, yeah, Kilgore is going to be really good. And so I, I, I think, and I like the fact he was a, a multi-sport guy, played both sides of the ball. I mean, just a, just a fantastic warrior. I think. Oh, just another Georgia kid. And, you know, you can't go wrong in Georgia, Florida, when you're looking at defensive backs. Um, mm-hmm. Well, certain parts of Georgia. I don't know if I yeah. go to Atlanta. 
but um yeah, so you, you you guys all know about Nick Harbor, you know about Dez. Um I'm not I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about you know Marky Anderson, Big Tree, you guys know all those guys. Ontavius Braswell, Braswell, he's going to be a guy that's probably going to have to play some meaningful snaps this year. Um the one guy that we haven't really talked about JC that we have to talk about and we'll end the show on this is Lenore Sellers. He is from my alma mater, South Lawrence. I'm a little bit biased here, but I watched the kid play all season. I talked to his high school coach. Um, he's a different kid, and I don't know if I can explain that any better mm-hmm. than just he's different. He's the kind of kid when he when he came home from South from South Carolina for spring break, he was at his coach's house and he wanted to walk through the route trees. He was trying to learn how to how to be a successful quarterback. He came to his coach's house at like 2 a.m. to get the key to the lock to get onto the South Lawrence practice field at 5 a.m. the next day because he had kids that wanted to run routes and he was trying to get better. He can squat 500 freaking pounds. When you watch the ball come out of his hands, it just looks different. And on top of that, he's not Tim Tebow, but he is something like Tim Tebow with the way he can run. He's faster than Tim Tebow, maybe not as – I don't want to say not as strong, but just runs differently. You know, he doesn't see contact the way that Tebow did, but he's capable of it. So, JC, yeah, it's, it's, give it's, me. He plays like Cam Newton plays. I mean, yes. The, yeah, exactly. And people and JC, are scared to make that comparison. And I don't, don't you, be, but don't be. I, I, that's, that's, that's his, I'm going to say that's his style. Now, can he be as good as Cam? I have no idea. I think he's off to a better start to his college career than Cam. Oh, yeah. I mean, Cam was kicked very out of Florida. Raw. Yeah, and not just getting kicked out of there. Cam couldn't really throw it that well until uh, he left Florida and went to Blinn Junior College, and they kind of fixed his arm or, or messed with his mechanics. And then he got to Auburn, and boy, you know, he was – I've never seen anything like that guy. Uh, now, I'm not predicting that that will happen with Lenore Sellers by any stretch, but because uh, that's hard. That's pressure you don't want to put on a guy. But skill set-wise, that's exactly who he is. Like, if you want – like everybody said, Terrell Pryor reminded them of Cam Newton. Terrell Pryor couldn't hit the broadside of a barn throwing the ball. Okay, I think it, I think it's Terrell Pryor yeah. and Cam Newton high school versions, and that's what they yeah. were saying. Well, I, 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 just, I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, well, Terrell Pryor would kind of remind reminded you of a little bit of Vince Young and a little bit of uh, Cam Newton. Now, Vince Young could be a uh, Vince Young could be definitely a uh, comparison to. Um, to uh Lenore's people don't realize how fast Lenore's is either. He is a people didn't realize how fast Vince was either, including yeah. Southern Cow's defense. <laughs> and they couldn't but, tackle uh, him. They couldn't tackle him. Couldn't couldn't touch him. I mean that dude was uh special. Um you know and, and that's who kind of reminds me of those types of guys in uh, in my experience Matt those types of guys with those just special, unique, and rare skill sets. Those are the ones that elevate your program. Now, who's around them largely determines elevated to where. But but think about through the years my, what Michael Vick went meant to Virginia Tech. Um, they, they'd elevated them to play for a national championship. What what about Deshaun Watson at Clemson first national title and how long? And then you bring one right back in. With Trevor Lawrence, you mentioned Cam Newton, the one year at, at Auburn. You know, uh, you've got guys like that, 
a quarterback, Dak Prescott at Mississippi State would be an example. Um, that yeah, just I was in a, yeah, you're talking about Deshaun Watson. I was in a Bible study with um, Hunter Renfro's older brother, and it took me a lot of God for me to like forgive him from actually letting his parents have a younger brother after that national championship catch that wow. um that Hunter had, but. But no, the, we, we say all this talking about this recruiting class that we have right now, the recruiting class from last year. And JC, you say it all the time. You're getting away from the blue chip, blue chip ratio, but you got to stack classes on classes. You got to hit on 80% of your guys. And I mean, JC, we could have, we could have, we could have sold a story for practically every single player that the Gamecocks took last year in the recruiting class and all the guys they have so far this year. So we can tell a story. The story is yet to be written. You're going to, you're going to see what happens with these kids, but the coaching staff's in place and, you know, just stay excited about Gamecock football. Don't let the dog days of summer yeah. get you down. And the blue chip ratio is just the most ridiculous thing to focus on. If you're trying to build a program uh, at all, you know, Clemson won a national title with a, what the 50.8% blue chip ratio. And I bet, you know, I bet you, 10 bucks to a donut, right? That there were four and five star guys on Clemson's roster that never freaking played. And then guys like Hunter Renfro and uh, Cordera Tankersley and Ben Bolware and Jordan Leggett uh, and all that. Those were the guys doing the playing. But because these kids are on the freaking roster, like there's some kind of magic little beans, like ma- these are my magic beans on the sideline because they have five stars. They, they snuck in. Uh, I guarantee you, if you drill down that Clemson team, the top 22 star rating wise is nothing to write home about with the exception of Watson and, and Cleveland Farrell or Christian Wilkins. And maybe I think Dexter Lawrence too, but uh and it's just, it's the easiest thing in the world, man. Uh, you know, it's its like me saying, well, <laughs> it's like a John Madden. You know, well, <laughs> the, the, you know, the team that that wins the game has the most points. <laughs> or, or, you know, hey, guess what? The team that, the team that usually wins the game is, 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 has the best offense and defense. No shit. I mean. And, and it's not like you need to hit this certain ratio if you're building your program and trying to put it in position or something like that. It's none of that. It's like, hey, hey, any team that's ever once had these guys. I'm like, really? No kidding. They had good players, huh? <laughs> you know, so hey, hey guess what? To, to win a championship, you got to have good players. Uh, that would have been, that's what have been awesome if TCU would have won it last year, but. Um, but look, oh man, if, if TCU had won it, you would have had like the blue chip ratio crushed, demolished. I, I, I swear, I pray, and, and I, I think Bud Elliott's a really smart guy, but I am so sick of hearing about the blue chip ratio because I just think it's uh, it didn't take much thought. To, I mean, there's that's not a formula, it's just a uh, hey, guess what? Hey, hey, Norm, you know, I mean, it's just. Uh, yeah, the better team, the better players usually. Yeah, or no, teams that win national national championships tend to have a lot of really good players. Dude, you're you're killing me right now. Okay. Something about like, if you were the moon and you were made out of cheese, would you eat yourself? Would you eat it? Hey, I don't know. I would. It'd be delicious. 
I guess what? <laughs> this Alabama's got a lot of really good players. Ah, I think over at least half of them were rated highly out of high school. Ah. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Man. Oh, that really, 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 Sherlock. Way to go. Way to go, <laughs> Captain Obvious. And for a program like South Carolina that's trying to climb in the SEC, focusing on just BS like that is just. Well, when you go back it, to. It's just distracting. It's just. Well, when you. Yeah. And when you go back to how we started this, you know, it's all about. And we're not hating on 24 7 rankers necessarily no, no, or on yeah. three or anybody, but, you know, this is one of the reasons I enjoy talking with JC because, you know, he has the track record that backs up what we're talking about right now. And look, being a college football recruiting analyst is sexy. You know, you want to do that. You want to travel the country. Yeah. You want to go see all these players. I mean, and there's just, there's kind of like the old guard, you know, you always talk about like the brain trust, where is the brain trust, brain trust and recruiting analysts right now. And, it's it might take 10 years it might take five years but don't live and die by these rankings even though the Gamecocks have a high per player rating you know listen to JC listen to the people that have done this for a while and they'll they'll tell you the god honest truth and that's why I love talking to JC about this because he's gonna say oh this guy's a 91 92 93 94 99 Jadavion Clowney god-like player if they're that so and, look, and, he, and he's always, not biased. I'll admit I wasn't always right. I mean, I, you know, there were some ones I won't, I would love to have back, as is the case with everybody. But I could tell you whenever I explained why about something, it tended to make sense uh, to those who wanted to listen. You know, fans sometimes will just shut you out. I mean, you know, they don't like – I mean, I'll, 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 never, I'll never forget I ranked Javier Arenas a three-star. Uh, went to Alabama. Uh, late pickup for Shula's staff, and the rule at the time was you 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 know if past a certain date you had to be a a, a, a no star or something. And of course, we ended up making him a three because he was really good. And and so over a three star, Auburn fans just completely melted completely down. Yeah, including the guy in the office that was uh, uh, one of our bosses that was an Auburn fan. It was it was awful over a three-star guy. So they'll tune you out no matter how much you say, look at the film, look at the film, look at the film, they won't do it. And that was over three stars. So, uh, But, hey, I made some good calls, too. I've called a lot of shit from Georgia fans when I ranked Cameron Hayward uh, in the top ten in the state of Georgia because he didn't go to Georgia, he went to Ohio State, and he was a pretty good ball player in the pros, wasn't he? So He sure was. You know, yeah. I, I've had my share of wins and losses, just like everybody. I just kind of look at it now, man, and I, I'm worried we're going to get down the road here in a couple of years, and there's going to be very few wins uh, and a lot of embarrassing takes. But that's another podcast. That's another podcast. That's the tough part. But, guys, you know, we did go a little bit long here today for what you're normally used to when you listen to my podcast. But, you know, I wasn't going to stop this one because I know when I'm at the gym, I always want the podcast to go a little bit longer than it does. So maybe this gave you two or three gym workouts. Maybe it gave you your your morning commute and your afternoon commute home. You can mm-hmm. log right back in with us and 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 hop right back in this conversation. And and we'll have JC back in the future. Um, we might have JC on once a month or something like that. Whenever he's whatever he's game for. But 
this is the first time we had a guest on the podcast. Um, the guests are going to be you know, flowing here soon. I don't want to make a commitment to every week. There's going to be a guest, but um, we'll, we'll have, we'll make that, we'll make that happen. And we'll have a lot of folks on here and, you know, I got to get the hang of this, um, this, this show and the podcasting and all that. Um, I'll tell yeah. you one thing, JC and I um, also share love for, for Disney. And I had ah. J- the last time I had JC on a show was on my Disney podcast and, and I didn't do the editing and the audio for that. Somebody else did. So I'm learning and we'll, we'll make it happen. So Get ready for Thursday night for another monologue. It's the most fun. But um, JC, yeah, I mean, Disney, what do you think about that before we hop off? Uh, well, I I got back in March and my brother Cam, actually, who owns Carolina Rise with me, he just got back for a week and they stayed at Art of Animation like we did. And they had a blast. Uh, I think Guardians of the Galaxy roller coasters, probably one of the best rides I've ever been on. I'm I went this past time because I promised my mom, who's raising my niece, that I would take them uh, about really before the pandemic hit. And um, I think I'm going to take about a 10 year break. Uh, it's kind of, uh, and, and, and it has nothing right to do with the woke thing or anything like that. I think, you know, all the kids that are young that I could have taken, I've taken. And uh, I think me and my fiance want to, we want to see some, some tropical paradise and, and, and some Europe and, and, and for the price it takes to go to Disney, you can go do all that. So, uh, oh, yeah. and I'm looking forward to going back in 10 years where a lot of stuff's new and I'm, 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 I love it again, but yeah, I did want to mention, uh, Matt, my, my, my appearance tonight is brought to you by LS2C logistics, uh, in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, uh, and also chancel construction from Conway, South Carolina, uh, both sponsors of Carolina Rise and thus the late night Gamecock show uh, and everything we do here with Inside the Gamecocks, the show and all that. LS2C Logistics and Chancel Construction, uh, proud sponsors of Carolina Rise, Inside the Gamecocks and the late night Gamecock show. Check them out on the web. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell everybody right now, if you'd like to have a sponsorship on the late night Gamecock show, give me a shout, give JC a shout. We're more than happy to promote your business in this avenue. Um, always happy to promote Gamecock fans and Gamecock businesses. So let us know if you're interested in doing that, but everybody, that's all the time that we have tonight. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the late night Gamecock show. As always, you can reach me at late night Gamecock show at gmail.com. Again, that's late night Gamecock show at gmail.com. And you can find me and JC on the big spur message boards under the username, Matt Anderson and JC Sherbert. Feel free to holler at us in a thread, send us a direct message. We're always more than welcome to co- communicate with you guys and, and have some back and forth and answer questions that you have. So we enjoyed your attendance tonight on the Late Night Gamecock Show, and I will catch up with you Thursday. Have a great night, y'all. Talk to you soon. <laughs>